A very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Growing Dentist. I'm so delighted to have with me today Linda Myers. Linda is somebody I have respected a lot over the years. I met her several years ago, and she's one of those people who's so kind that you know you cannot miss her. So um, not only you know did I experience it myself, every time I had a question or a doubt, you know Linda was so gracious enough to you know spend the time to explain and talk to me. But also, I went to some meetings where there were a lot of other consultants, and everybody you know there's not a single person I met there who didn't have amazing things to say about Linda. So Linda, thank you very much for being here today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Naren, and it's a joy to be part of your program. Thank you, Linda. Why don't we start, uh, of course, I know you, but maybe I'm sure everybody knows you, but in case there are a few listeners here who don't know who you are, can you maybe give us a brief kind of a two, three-minute summary of your experience and your story? Sure. I started my career in dentistry when I was 17. I had dated my high school sweetheart for four years through high school, He joined the Air Force, and I didn't have a job in the summer and uh, didn't know when he would be home on leave, so a dentist hired me, and it was the turning point in my whole life because I learned by working for a very wonderful dentist when I was 17 that this is a great place to be. So over the 20 years Don was in the Air Force, I worked in various practices, And my very last practice was with a dentist who was starting his practice with zero patients, and he did so beautifully in his practice based on the fact that he was a wonderful leader, a great uh, dentist. He just loved people, and he hired people who liked people and who could extend his hospitality and his relationship building. But coupled with that, he was a good businessman, so... A lot of his buddies, because his practice did so well, thought that I had something to do with that since I was at the front desk of his practice. So they started asking me to come into their practice a half a day a month and train their administrative team. So that was in 1978, and uh, I did that for the two years that I was continuing to work for that doctor in Richmond, Virginia. And... um, From there, I started doing a few one-day seminars, public seminars, that I hosted myself. And I think I had 11 to 46 people that that came the first year. And then once I was doing one in Atlanta, and one of the doctors from the Hinman Dental Meeting said, we want you to do three half-day workshops next year. And that was my 10-year goal, to be able to speak at the Hinman. And it was only after a couple of years, so I was thrilled and you know, back then, Naren, it was just that there were so few people. I knew of um, Jim Pride in California and uh, myself, and there were a few others, but very few speaking on hiring and training and trusting your dental team members. So I was sort of a novelty in the early days, the early 80s. And then it grew, and I grew a very large consulting business with 10 in the corporate office, six consultants at our highest peak. And then I did that for about 30 years and sold my company in 2007, sold the consulting end of it, the products, the books and tapes, and also the two-day workshops. And I retained 
the Speaking Consulting Network, which I started in 97 as a second company, and that was uh, how to start or enhance your own speaking, consulting, and writing business. So um, that's how I really got started, and I have now since, in 2010, sold the Speaking Consulting Network. And so, Naren, I'm supposed to be retired, and I'm still very, very busy. <laughs> that's uh, amazing. You know, So you've been doing this for, what, 50-plus years in dentistry? Well, I've been in dentistry 55 this year. Mm-hmm. Wow. And still married to my high school sweetheart for 55 years. So it's all been very amazing, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been a wonderful, wonderful five and a half decades. Yeah. And um, one of the things I always uh, kind of picked up on you, and you perhaps you know influenced me as well, is that you are a kind person. You're always appreciative. You know, even for the slightest thing, you appreciate people. And um, and I know. Um, even myself, when I talk to dentists, and I, I talk to quite a few of them, we have 140 clients in dentistry, and uh, the best exciting. ones are very appreciative. You know, they are very, very mm-hmm. thankful. I mean, they cannot stop praising their team and the people they work with. Uh, so, um, tell me a little bit. I, I know you and I have talked about appreciation, you know, a, a bit. So, tell me, you know, in your 50, 55 years of wisdom working in dentistry, you know. Um, uh, you know, how do you motivate? I mean, like, how do you? How what do you think you about appreciation? And retain these wonderful people who work with dentists. Is that the question? I think. Yeah, like, and, and also asking. the role yeah. of appreciation. You know, because uh, you know, like you and I had talked about before. You know, uh, most of the uh, the team members, typically the good ones, at least, they have a caregiving nature, right? So. Anyways, I just want to just let you speak. Yeah, I want to expand on that. You hit the nail on the head that there, you know, I believe that people who come into dentistry are by nature, uh, 99% of them are women, and women are born caregivers. They're they're usually moms and sisters, and, and they take care of people. And their greatest, greatest, greatest joy is being appreciated. That is a trait of a born caregiver. And when I first started my company, uh, it was so ironic that that word was one of the four biggest topics that I spoke on. And I came up with four words. It took me, I think it took four months to write my very first uh, six-hour seminar. And my four basic topics were communication. I really believe that communication is one of the foundations for success, and that is how the doctors in a multi-doctor practice communicate, um, uh, how the doctor communicates with his or her team. Do they have team meetings? Do they have morning huddles? Are they in sync with what's going on in the business? Um, then the communication from the front office to the back office has to be powerful and clear, and the same from the back office to the front office when they're sending patients for checkout. So communication, and one of the big topics under communication is basically how we communicate with patients over the telephone, checking in, checking out, how we communicate chairside if we're clinical folks, and uh, so communication was one of the biggies. There were four ingredients for success that I came up with in my very first 
lecture. The second was organization, and that is being totally organized in your laboratory part of the practice, in your sterilization, in your room set up, having each operatory set up so that if you're a dentist and you go away on vacation and the dentist who comes in, all four operatories, if there are four, should be set up identically so I'm not spending 20 minutes looking for something to give you if your treatment room is set up differently. So just being totally organized was number two. And the third is motivation. I believe happy people produce a lot more than unhappy people. Having a happy dentist means a lot to the team. Having a happy coworker means a lot to the team and to the doctor. So just um, being motivated and leaving all your personal issues at the back door. So that was one of my third. And I remember hearing Zig Ziglar many years ago, and he said he's a motivational speaker. And someone said, Zig Ziglar, motivation doesn't last. He says, neither does bathing. That's why you need to do it daily. So that was my motto. We need shots of motivation. And how we interact with each other daily either motivates us or demotivates us. And the very fourth one that you and I talked about already is the art of appreciation. And that is the biggest of all, and that is the appreciation of our dentist. You know, so many of the team members don't feel appreciated. Well, these poor dentists never feel appreciated. So I feel that we should be appreciating the doctors in and out of the office. And everything we say or do, we should let the doctor hear us appreciating him over the phone, checking people in, checking out. Oh, you're going to love Dr. So-and-so. He joined our practice, and uh, every, all of our patients just love seeing him. And that builds the patient's trust. So the art of appreciation. And, Naren, if you look at the first letter of those four words, which was my very first tacky little seminar back in 1979, C O M-A, and that is what your practice is in if you don't have those four success in equal doses. Right. So the uh, O for organization, M for motivation, A for appreciation. What C, the first letter? The C was communication. Communication. Communication, organization, motivation, and the art of appreciation. And if you have those four things in equal parts, the practice is going to be very, very successful. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing insight. So let's um, let's kind of. Um, I, I'm kind of curious. I mean, obviously, C and you know, M are important. I mean, C and O are important. But let me just jump into motivation and appreciation. And, and you kind of said something something about motivation. You said happy people tend to do better. Right, and mo- mm-hmm. and appreciation is one way to help somebody be happy, right? So um, definitely agree. I they go love, hand in hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear you. Le- le- do you want to start with appreciation, or, or do you want to start with motivation? Like I would like well, to go a little bit. Let's start with motivation. First of okay. all, I don't believe we can depend on other people to motivate us. We have to start it, and it's sort of like they say. Um, my doctor doesn't appreciate me. Well, my next question to that team person that would say that is how many times a day do you show appreciation to your doctor? Because appreci- I mean, uh, appreciation is 
goes hand in hand with being motivated. But if you don't feel that you are being appreciated, you can't be very highly motivated. So motivation is really a gift we give ourselves. When we wake up in the morning and we decide to go to work this morning, we can say, oh my gosh, it's Monday. How I hate Mondays. This is going to be the longest day of my life. And that sets the tone. You see, our brain doesn't know the difference in the real or the imagined. So having PMA, a positive mental attitude, determines your level of motivation. Right. So how do you create that positive mental attitude? You just wake up in the morning and decide today is going to be a wonderful Monday. It's the beginning of new a uh, new week, and in my own business, I used to wake up every morning and say something wonderful is going to happen today. I'm going to get a client call that they met their goals for the month, and everybody's happy because they made their incentive bonus, or I'm going to get a good piece of mail, or I'm going to be invited to come to Australia to speak today. I mean, if you think it, it happens. And I used to say to my father, who was uh, in his later years, I'd say, Dad, I'd call him and say, Dad, how are you today? Oh, I don't feel very well. I said, Daddy, you know you have to have a strong PMA, positive mental attitude, determines what kind of a day you're going to have. And he'd say, Linda, I can't lie to myself. I said, you're not lying to yourself. You're telling the truth in advance. And there's a major difference in lying and telling the truth in advance. So I tried to hammer that into my father, but he was kind of old and set in his ways. And he, he just kind of didn't believe in positive mental attitude. But I've had it my entire life. I inherited it from my wonderful mom. She was just the most positive and kind and outgoing, never met a stranger. And I just am so thankful that I inherited that. Now, my dad was outgoing and he was a funny man, uh, a you know, very smart man, but he didn't really get into all of this, uh, you know, positive mental attitude that uh, I think women adapt it far uh, quicker. I guess they're less dubious than than men are about it, but it absolutely is the key to what kind of a day you're going to have. Absolutely, and one of the tools I used is uh, uh, just like I appreciate others, I ask myself, what am I the most happy about today at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day for the previous day? I love that too. Because What what was the happiest point of my day today? And I think if people journal, they really need to... to write that down. What was the most challenging thing I overcame today? And what was the um, most stressful thing that happened to me today? And what was the most fantastic thing? And I think that we truly can solve the problems of the unfinished business better if we identify them. But I find that a lot of business owners uh, don't like confronting team members, especially if they're male dentists. Uh, female dentists have a less problem confronting them, but the male dentists, most of the ones I worked with, would rather walk around their building 20 times than to have a confrontation with a team member. And the absolute worst thing a dentist could hear at the uh, beginning of the day from a team member is Dr. 
can I have 20 minutes of your time at lunchtime today? Or can I speak to you after work today? And the poor doctor worries the whole day. Oh, is she giving her notice? Oh, is she pregnant? You know, they don't know what they're going to but they already have determined it's bad news. So right. it's right. probably not a good thing to say to the doctor or leaving a note on their desk that you need 10 or 15 minutes of their time because they always think, you know, something bad is about to happen. But I always encourage the, my audiences to uh, leave a note of appreciation on your doctor's desk. And if you bake cookies for your family this weekend, take two or three chocolate chip cookies and put them on the doctor's desk with a note and say, dear boss man or boss lady, even though I don't express my appreciation, I want you to know you're the best boss I've ever had. I mean, do you know how great that boss is going to be that day? Right. It's kind of, so you are giving them the positive mental by appreciating, you're helping somebody have a great day, right? Somebody right. have an and amazing you can't, day. You know, appreciation, Naren, is like uh, appreciation is like everything else. You can't re- you can't receive appreciation until you start giving appreciation. So let's go back just for a minute and talk about if I were a dentist. Um, you know, these young dentists today are graduating with 300000 and more if they're specialists in debt. Right. And then if they want to buy into an existing practice by purchasing a third or a half of a practice to, so they don't have to start from scratch because that's a real difficult, hard road to hoe these days. So if I were 30 years old and had just spent half of my life in school or all of my life in school, and all of a sudden I find myself 800 to a million dollars in debt, how happy could I be when I go in and work hard every day? Right. So it's not easy to be a dentist, and uh, the biggest problem I see is that in dental school they teach them how to be good clinically. They're not teaching uh, communication skills. They're not teaching hiring and training and and um, keeping their team members, they don't know how to be businessmen and women as a rule. And so it's um, it's sort of a, I think it's a real, a real loss to their education. I think every dentist should go through one year of practice and team development as and leadership training one year postgraduate, and then they would start, they'd hit the ground running. Right. You know, before I kind of um, move on from appreciation, one of the comments you said stuck me. struck me. You said, you know, um, the, the team members should talk about how much the patient is going to enjoy working with the dentist, you know, really grow the confidence of the patient on the dentist, right? And uh, can you use these principles, appreciation, motivation, et cetera, even when you're dealing with your team, either as a dentist or a team member? Absolutely. Uh, If you are uh, constantly, um, you know, using these tools with your team, you're communicating with them. I've said for many, many years, doctors, your staff cannot read your mind. They don't know what you expect. So 
when you hire someone, you sit down with that person and say, you're probably not going to like your job for the first six weeks because it will take you six weeks, regardless of your background, to learn how we do things here. And we are totally open for suggestions. So when you hear us say or you see us do anything based on your past knowledge and your your past experiences, please write it down, and we would love for you to share with us ways we can be better. So having an open mind as a leader, my last doctor used to say to all four of us, he had a small startup practice, very small practice, brand new practice, and he used to say to us at a team meeting, ladies, this is not working well. And the four magic words of empowerment of that team that put me on the map today because I had those four years working with this this really, really great boss, his four magic words, I need your help. And for a leader, an employer, to say they don't have all the answers, you know, sometimes the leader comes in and says, look, do as I say, not as I do. You're not to use your cell phones during the day, but I'll use mine any time I want to. I mean, if you have set guidelines, I don't believe in using the word policies, they're big turnoff words, but if you set practice guidelines like we will not take and make personal calls on company time, we're 100% devoted to our patients from 8 in the morning until 5 in the evening, and the only time cell phones are to be used is on lunch break. And if you have that practice guideline, but the doctor leader or the office manager isn't following that, do you really think the team members are going to be compliant? Right. I mean, so, they're going to be consistent with what you do, right, not what you say. If you don't, it, it, The leader your, lead, yeah. leads by example, and that's what my last doctor was very good at. And, you know, back in the 70s when I worked in his practice, the word leadership wasn't even a, a, a word that people just threw around in training sessions. And so I, I always laugh and say to him now, even though he's retired from practicing and he and his wife are still dear friends, I always say, you know, you were a leader before you even knew, or I even knew what a leader was, but I learned so much about running my own business, and that is how he treated his people. Right. He expected a lot, and he gave a lot. He took us to continuing education, and that brings me to another point. That's one of my biggest worries about the future of dentistry right now is that dentists in the 80s and the 90s didn't think anything of taking their whole team to two major meetings a year. That would usually be the ADA or the AGD or their state meeting or another meeting. And there were Sun Fund seminars back then. I must have done 12 cruises with up to 750 people on board because I did dental seminars and they were appreciation, doctor, spouse, and team appreciation. And uh, we had a lot of a lot of business from that. Uh, and so it was like if we reach our goals, and that is take really good care of our patients and we set goals for number of new patients, for collection percentages and different goals. And if we reach those goals, we all got to go to Cancun 
for a Sun Fun seminar, and that would be a Friday, Saturday morning, 8 to 12 classroom with afternoons free. And so the team members that were involved in those, you know, um, those away seminars were absolutely the luckiest, and they still talk about it to this day. But unfortunately, in the last, I noticed it started happening around 2005 when the younger dentists just simply don't go, they're not part of organized dentistry like our forefathers uh, were. They would not think of sitting in the same classroom all day long and listening to one speaker firehose them all day, as we've done for three decades. And uh, they learn differently today. And, um, you know, the new dentist, they hire someone and they say, if you have a problem, text me. I'm in my office. I don't want to know about your personal life. You won't know about my personal life. We don't have meetings. And if you have a problem, text me. Right. It's very, very scary that these team members are not feeling part of, you know, I always talked about would you like people on your team that have owner mentality or do you want people on your team who have unionized thinking? And owner mentality means we are speaking favorably about our doctor and about his dentistry or about her dentistry. We're speaking favorably about our practice in and out of the office. That's the greatest marketing tool and it doesn't cost a nickel. But if I don't feel that this is my practice and our practice, I won't be as motivated to do my best. I will have a paycheck and I'll develop unionized thinking, which is thank goodness it's the last day of the week, where's my paycheck, let me out of here, and no, I don't attend meetings on on uh, off time. You know, they're just not as interested in building relationships and educating their team members. That's very, that's very true, uh, Linda. Let, let me ask you, let me ask you this. So how do you, I know I'm jumping a little bit. How do you That's find okay. the right people and how do you recruit them? This is a question that so many dentists call me up. Linda, um, I just lost my A number one dental assistant. I need to have you help me find one. Will you interview the top three people that I find and will you help me pick the right one? Or they'd call up and say, where do you find employees that care about their their career and care about their doctor and their team members. Where do you find these people? And I used to say, doctor, you don't find them, you create them. And you create them by creating an environment of self-motivation and a practice they want to be part of. That's where you motivate and retain these people. And so um, many, many times the doctors would say, where do you find these people? And uh, there are so many different ways to recruit. Uh, there's a company called dentalpost.net, which is a very good place for dentists and team members to list that they are looking for a job or an employee. And uh, your dental sales reps, often they travel from practice to practice to practice, and oftentimes they know when someone is unhappy and looking for another uh, experience. And um, I also have talked to a lot of sales reps, and they tell me, 
we can tell the way they treat their patients by the way they treat sales reps. So I always told my audiences, when a sales rep calls on your office, treat them with dignity and respect. They're not just selling you something. They are an extension of your practice. And sales reps used to say to my doctor, I can tell you treat patients really, really well because when we walk into your office, we don't say, just leave your card. The doctor's too busy to talk to you. Linda would always say, can I serve you a beverage while you wait? He shouldn't be more than 10 or 15 minutes before he can give you five minutes of his time. Because, you know, it is true. How you treat visitors is probably how you treat your patients. Mm -hmm. Team members love to be part of knowing uh, the what's happening now. In other words, there are some old school thinking about never let your staff know your production, never let your staff know what you're doing. And I always used to say to my audience, that is absurd. I was treated like that my whole career until my last position. And I never had a doctor that held team meetings and shared numbers and set goals for improvement. I never had that, and I never had an incentive bonus plan until that practice. And so everything that he did in that practice that worked so beautifully for him is what I taught. And uh, basically, I was to be seen and not heard as a clinical assistant, and that's why I was so excited when I got to move to the administrative front desk area because up there you can talk. And so being a very silent dental assistant, I mean, the years ago, uh, the doctor did all the patient education. They would, if we had a question, we had to defer it back to the doctor. And now the smart dentists hire their clinical people to do all the pretreatment explanations, to do all the post-treatment reassurance and home care instructions. And yes, there's only one person who can make a diagnosis, and that's the dentist. But getting your team involved in and learning as much as they're allowed to do by their State Dental Practice Act, and that is it's different in some states, and they need to study their Dental Practice Act and know what dental assistants are primarily allowed to do and what hygienists are allowed to do. But some, the, the very, very smart dentists are allowing them to do a lot of the patient education. And in some practices, the dental assistants and the hygienists are treatment coordinators, and they actually take the custom-designed treatment plan designed by the doctor, which is the ideal treatment plan for this patient, and they, the clinical team members are now the treatment coordinators who are presenting that to the patients and their case acceptance doubles in many practices because someone else is doing it besides the dentist. Right. So hire them, train them, trust them, and praise them. Those are the four magic words, in my opinion. Right. Right. Can you tell me about team members where you felt they're not a good fit and how a dentist could have avoided hiring them in the first place? Is there a way to... Well, there are some that, that you know, I, I believe in giving people a shadow of a doubt, and I have found a lot of dental team members that had bad attitudes and were really just kind of 
uh, sloughing their way through and they weren't really dedicated. And I've seen a lot of them do, uh, you know, complete turnaround and become the very best. And that is when they were given a little more training and a lot more praise. Uh, they they did come around, but um, when there is a person on the team that I know and everyone in the office shared with me that this is the pot stirrer, as they call that person, the person that keeps things really riled up, and the number one biggest staff challenge in a practice is favoritism. And when I saw favoritism, I saw a cancer in that practice growing and growing and growing. And here's what happens. Unknowingly, the dentist, the, the dentist creates this queen bee or prima donna. And the reason that they have one in their office is there is or there is or there has been an uneven distribution of trust an uneven distribution of praise, or an uneven distribution of benefits. And that has given that person the right to act like they're the lead this or the lead that or the boss. And they do not have good skills in relationship building. There's zero teamwork. Everybody else on the team is ready to quit And when I find a person like that and I know there's no hope for her, I just have to simply say to the doctor, doctor, how many patients have you lost because of this woman's behavior? She's rude to her coworkers, she's rude to you, and she's rude to patients. And they'll say, well, Linda, she's been here the longest, or well, Linda, she's my sister's cousin, or she's, or not my sister's cousin, my wife's cousin, or um, she was here with the practice when I bought it, and she makes me believe if I got rid of her, the old practice would fail. And I would say, is this person worth a million dollars, doctor? Oh, no, they're not. Nobody's worth a million dollars. Well, that's what this woman has cost this practice in the 20 years she's been here because you are losing X number of dollars a week because of her. And um, when there is this person on staff, it's very hard for an employer, especially in a small working environment where everybody's a family, it's very difficult to do something about it, but I've get, I've come up with a plan, and it worked beautifully, and it didn't have to happen very often, but when it did have to happen, they had to do it, and that is they take a, a legal pad and draw a line down the middle of the pad, and over the weekend, they write down all the good qualities that Sally has. Let's call her Sally. And then on the right side, they write down the three parts of her behavior that are running off other team members, running off patients, running, you know, just causing problems. And right. so the doctor says to Sally on Monday morning, Sally, I'd like to have lunch with you today and the uh, and the and my uh my other dental assistant. Let's pretend she's a dental assistant, a lead assistant as she calls herself. And I've invited Sharon to have lunch with us as well because you always want to have a witness with you, right? And you go over all of the things that you wrote down. Uh, Over this weekend, I was thinking about all the years you've been with the practice and all the good qualities. Number one, you're an A number one, fabricating temporaries. Number two, you are really good at X, Y, Z. And you tell them. 
and they may have six or seven good qualities. And then you write down the three parts of their behavior that are causing the whole practice to lose people, and they've already lost a dozen others probably in the last five years because of this. Well, maybe not a dozen, but they've lost some people definitely. And so you say, okay, the first problem is you feel that you don't have to do any of the daily housekeeping chores because you've been here the longest. But if we're all going to share the good things in the practice, we all share the less favorable duties. You're not doing your share. Number two, you come in late three out of five days. And you're not not a lot late. You're just in the middle of the morning huddle to let others know you are favored and I won't do something about it. So you're going to have to be on time every day. And on time is five minutes before we start the morning huddle. And number three, at team meetings, you never, ever encourage other people who are new. They're scared to death to even raise their hand with an idea because every time anyone else has an idea, you roll your eyes and act like it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. So you are squelching the growth of my practice and the growth of individuals. So you lay it on the line and you say, Sally, uh, effective immediately, you're on a 60-day notice. You're on a 30-day notice. We're going to evaluate how you've improved those three areas. And if you find that asking you to make these three changes permanently, if we find that that's not happening, I want you to know the boat of opportunity is leaving the dock with or without you in 30 days. I will accept your letter of resignation in exchange for a letter of recommendation on your four great qualities. They're going to work really well somewhere else. Right. You just have to confront and deal with that issue and stop this person because they do lose the practice. Some practices are losing $10,000 a week. Now, over a year, that's a half million dollars in Aaron. Right, right. And so I don't, I've never met anybody that's worth a half million dollar loss. Do you? Yes, that is very true. So, I was going to go ahead. It's not easy, but it it, it is doable. What what uh, I know I know we need to wrap it up soon. Um, I know you you have retired twice, right? You you, had, you built two businesses, you built successful teams, and you sold both businesses. But I know you're very active. Um, what are some of the things that keep you up at night? Well, I have two questions. One is on a personal level, what are where are you putting your time? And also your view on the future of dentistry. Well, uh, first of all, I'm still really busy with oralcancercause.org. It's a nonprofit that Robin Morrison and I founded in 2012 when her brother and my sister-in-law both died because of mis- or non-diagnosing of oral cancer. And for the many hundreds and hundreds of other patients that we're working with and financially being able to help them thanks to everyone, um, you know, becoming part of our annual bubblegum challenge. Every April is uh, is Oral Cancer Awareness Month, and we are blowing a bubble for those who can't. You know, when you have oral cancer, you lose part of your tongue or all of your tongue. You 
lose your palate, you have uh, horrible, horrible repercussions. I think the treatments are actually worse than the diagnosis in many cases. And so um, financially, we're the only uh, foundation that provides child care. We provide transportation, co-pays. We provide dental uh, treatment uh, funds for people that need reconstruction after their medical treatment. And so that is my big time uh, spender right now. And uh, as far as my other, uh, Dr. Tanya Brown and I started an online training program. It's uh, it's going to be downloadable probably this fall where they're, we're doing the webinars live. It's called ultimateteammastery.com. And uh, that's two-hour webinars on 12 different topics, two each time, and that is every eight weeks we're doing them live. And that has been a new and exciting way to reach a lot of practices. <clears throat> Pardon me. And as far as my personal, what what I'm spending my time doing now is I have the three Fs, and that is family, friends, and fun. And I tell my grandchildren, who are 26 and 24, that uh, 26 and 22, I'm sorry, and I'm telling them that you work really, really hard so you can play really, really harder. And I never really worked all the time. I always carved out family and friends and fun time before, but it seems that I'm doing a lot of uh, a lot of little vacations with a lot of fun people sometimes with my husband, sometimes with my fa- children and grandchildren, uh, but they're so busy that it's usually with friends and my husband that I'm doing a lot of traveling. So, uh, you know, when you're a speaker, you've been in all 50 states and spoken on four continents, but you've seen only the airport and the conference center. So I'm now being able to see a lot of those places that I have visited before. Right. So you are you're enjoying life. You're doing mm-hmm. a lot of things that are worthy, especially around the oral cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you are learning new things. I mean, you're learning how to do um, an online course, and you know, you're actually doing it. I mean, so you you are like a 20 year old going on 70. <laughs> I'm 73, going on 29. When it comes to technology, I am not techie savvy. But thank goodness my partner, Dr. Tanya Brown, is very techie savvy, and uh, it has been so much fun working with my personal dentist. Who She's also a speaker and a consultant and a member of the Speaking Consulting Network. So she practices 10 or 11 days a month and does so well that she can actually go out and share that knowledge with a lot of other people, which I just now enjoy so much sitting in their audiences and I'm in awe of how fabulous these new generation of speakers and consultants are. Right. And you have helped so many consultants, you know, uh, succeed. Right. I started you know. that in 2000, no, in 1997. I had coached individually 18 um, hours, individual hours of mentoring other people. And I finally said to my husband, I'm going to hold a three-day meeting and invite people, and there's going to be a fee, and I'm, I really only want people who are serious about starting or enhancing their own business, and I'll be glad to share anything I did, all my what worked, what didn't work, and I'll be glad to share everything with them. And so uh, 
I think over the years we've had about 350 other people come through SVN. Many of them come back every single year, and that is where they drink from the fountain of knowledge and learn from each other. Right, right. Thank you very much, Linda. Is there any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, you asked me about the future of dentistry. I think the future of dentistry is extremely bright, even though corporations are growing at a faster rate than they once predicted. I do believe that there will always be a place for the one or two doctor practice, but they are going to have to up their game. And that is remember that relationships in business keep businesses in business. And hiring, training, trusting, and praising their people so their people are excited about coming to work and helping them build this practice. And over the years, I've put dentists in three categories. 20% of them are at the top of their game. They came out of dental school ready to hit the ground running. They've always been a born leader, and they're going to be always in that category, top 20%. 60% are making a decent living and have never wanted to set the world on fire. They have a great practice and a great balance of personal and practice life, and they're doing well. Sadly, 20% on the bottom are one month away from bankruptcy. Right. And, I and think uh, that will always be the ratio. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if you are somebody who who um, who wants to provide that personal experience for the patients and, you know, are willing to take care of your team and motivate your team and, you know, inspire your team, you will do okay. They'll be in that top 20%. They're constant students. They're constantly learning to improve their business. They're taking their teams to meetings. They realize the importance of education. And and then my goal is to get some of the 60% to move into the top 20% and to eliminate the lower percentage and get them in the 60 percentile because it breaks my heart that anybody in that went to dental school to be a dentist can't make it in this world. But unfortunately, due to a lot of factors, there's a lot of them suffering financially right now. Right, right. Thank you very much, Linda, for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. Uh, this was very inspiring, and you know I learned a lot, especially around appreciation and motivation. Oh, uh, so thanks, Naren. Thank you probably didn't need to hear that because I think you're one of the kindest men I know. So it's a joy to have been on with you. Thank you very much, Linda. Have a wonderful day, and thank you, everyone, for listening to one more episode of Growing Dentist. <laughs>